two foundations of Pentecost dedicated to the repairing, restoring, preserving, and perpetrating the foundations of Pentecost. It is our prayer that as you listen, you will be encouraged and strengthened in your faith. And now, today's study from the Scripture. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and invite His presence to be with us. Father, we're thankful for the privilege that we have to come before You. Lord, I pray that You would be with us during this time of of study of your word i pray that you would open your word to us as we study your word and that our hearts would be receptive to hear what the spirit has to say to the church in jesus name we pray amen we have been embarked on a study of worship and a series on worship entitled our worship, ecstasy, or intimacy. And uh, we have been looking at how uh, our worship affects our lives, really, more than just uh, simply worship. And as a matter of fact, the direction we have gone thus far in the series has been very different from probably any series you've heard on worship. We've went in a different way. And this morning we're probably going to make a little bit of a different turn in the fact that uh, probably more along the lines of what your normal uh, would normally would hear on worship and, and aspects of worship. And I really thought when I started this series that it would be a short series, maybe four or five six lessons. Uh, this morning we are on uh, number eight uh, of the series, and I was looking at my series outline this morning, and my outline runs to uh, at least into May now. So uh, uh, I think I'm, there's going to be at least 13 or 14 uh, lessons altogether in the series. But this morning uh, we want to look at the uh, book of Ephesians. I'm getting ahead of myself here. Turn to the book of Ephesians chapter 5, verse 19. And then we will also be looking at Colossians chapter 3 and verse 16. Very familiar passages of Scripture and also very similar passages of Scripture. The Bible says, Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. The book of Psalms Psalm 81, verses 1 through 3, the Bible says, Sing aloud unto God our strength. Make a joyful noise unto God of Jacob. Take a psalm and bring hither the timbrel and pleasant harp with the psaltery. Blow the trumpet in the new moon in the time appointed on our solemn feast day. Psalm 95, 1 says, O come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Psalm 33, 1-4 says, Rejoice in the Lord, O ye righteous, for praise is comely for the upright. Praise the Lord with the harp. Sing unto Him with psaltery 
and an instrument of ten strings. Sing unto Him a new song. Play skillfully with a loud noise. For the word of the Lord is right, and all His works are done in truth. And then Psalm 144, and verse 9 says, I will sing a new song unto Thee, O God, upon a psaltery and an instrument of ten strings will I praise Will I sing praises unto Thee. In the book of Ephesians, we read the verse a couple weeks ago, we read the verse that we read uh, this morning where he says, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart unto the Lord. And in the uh, aspect of talking about worship there, at the end of the chapter, he says, submitting yourselves one to another. And then we went on into... Uh, uh, talking about how he goes on to talk about the relationship in the home and, and uh, the respect of a wife for her husband and the love of a husband for the wife being a picture of Christ. And all of that is part of our worship. And if our home is not right, our worship is not right. And so we begin to talk about those necessities. But I want us to back up now and we're going to look at verse 19 here where he talks to us and, he, and also in Colossians and he tells us to sing in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And the first thing that I, I want us to note is he talks to us about the style of music. The ty some different types of music. He says singing to ourselves in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Well, a lot of times... We look at these and we just automatically assume that he's just being redundant, that he is uh, for emphasis or for whatever reason. He's saying psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. In other words, he is just encouraging us to sing. But there is actually a difference in these types of songs and, and uh, this type of music. He tells us, first of all, that we are to worship the Lord in psalms. What does he mean by psalms? Psalms are a song that is directed to God. When you are singing a psalm, it is a psalm that is directed toward God. Obviously, we have an entire book of the Bible that is dedicated to psalms. It is called psalms. And so, within that, and there are so many of the psalms that in more modern days have been put to music and, and so that we could sing them and, and, and uh, uh, help us in our worship. Uh, for example, Psalm 63, Thy loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise Thee. Thus will I bless Thee. While I live, I will lift up my hands unto my name, to Thy name. And sometimes we sing... Uh, uh, and it's been a long time since I've heard it, but, but we used to sing Psalm 61. Hear my cry, O God, attend unto my prayer. From the end of the earth will I cry unto Thee. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I, that is higher than I. For Thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I, 
that is higher than I. But a psalm is something that is directed to God. A psalm does not have to be an old psalm. It does not have to necessarily be a Scripture to be considered a psalm of worship to the Lord. Because sometimes we sing some songs that are actually psalms because the content of the psalm is directed to God. For example, we sing, O Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds Thy hands have made, I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, Thy power throughout the universe displayed. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to Thee, how great Thou art. It is a psalm because the content of that song is directed to God. Then we sing hymns. He says, singing to yourselves in psalms and hymns. What is a hymn? What is the difference in a psalm and a hymn? A hymn is directed to man, but it is about God. It is something that I am telling you to point you to God. In a psalm, I am talking directly to God. But in a hymn, I am talking to you about God. There are many different hymns that we uh, have heard. A, a, a hymn gives us instruction. And, and that is why it is so important for us to not get away from the hymnal. A lot of churches have gone to just singing a, a lot of the modern worship courses. And a lot, some of them don't have much to say to God or man either one. But uh, uh, some of them, and, and that's, not, that's a generalization. I realize some of them are good as well. But the old hymns teach us and instruct us and, and tell us about God. And so there are songs like, A mighty fortress is our God. Or what a friend we have in Jesus. Or amazing grace. How sweet the sound. And there is doctrine. And we talked about, Brother Brim even talked about it during the Christmas season, the number of Christmas carols that teach doctrine through the Christmas carol. And so when we sing the hymns, we are singing to one another and teaching one another and telling one another about God. And then he says, singing to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Spiritual songs are simply songs of testimony. See, in the, in the psalms, I'm talking to God and worshiping Him. In the hymns, I am instructing and telling you about God and instructing about... But in spiritual songs, I'm telling you about my personal experience with God. And so we sing songs like, I never shall forget the day. Or I'm so glad He found me. Or I was there when it happened. And I guess I ought to know. So in spiritual songs, we are giving a personal testimony. And there is a danger, however, in the day that we live in, to only want to stick to the latter category and sing the spiritual songs, which are personal testimony. The problem is, our experiences may or may not be true to the Word of God. And it is important that our songs be scriptural. Our songs need to be based on the Word of God. And if our experience... And that's why sometimes we sing some songs 
that when you stop and think about it, wait a minute. That's not really what the Word of God says. Had you know, one of one of my one of my favorites to pick on is uh and and I understand what people are trying to say, but we get all anointed and all, you know, all quote anointed and 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 just have great services over singing uh your cries have awoken the master. And uh and I'm reminded of this. Every time I hear that, immediately in my mind, I start hearing that song that says, He never sleeps, He never slumbers. <laughs> you know? And our, our God, you know, our cries have awoken them. Oh, I didn't know He was asleep. You know? And, and I understand what they're trying to say, but uh, if we're not careful, our so-called spiritual songs can get off doctrinally. And so we must be careful not only does the Bible deal with the type music, he tells us to sing in psalms of, and hymns and spiritual songs, but I want us to note the purpose of music in our worship. There is more than just the description of the different styles, though uh, some of the purposes can readily be seen in what we said but number one, one of the reasons that it is important for us to sing when we come together is to teach one another that we might learn about God and learn about the Word of God. Part of the purpose of singing is to educate. If you doubt that part of the purpose of singing is to educate, remember when you learned your ABCs? A, B, C, D, E, F, G unless you went to an ACE school. And if you went to an ACE school, you sang stuff like the aging ape was out of shape because he ate and ate and ate. You know? Uh, you, uh, uh, there there are, are different kinds of, uh, of, of songs, but we learn through songs. How many of you, when the preacher gets up and says, okay, we're going to turn to the book of Hezekiah, and... Uh, when he says, turn to the book of Hezekiah, I'm glad you noticed that, Brother Lloyd. For the rest of you, there is no Hezekiah. Um, anyway, um, he, he announces his Scripture and you start Genesis, Exodus, and start singing the books of the Bible to figure out where he's at. And after you sing through the books of the Bible about three or four times, then, you find, then it finally dawns on you, hey, wait, there's not a Hezekiah in there. But you had to sing it three or four times before you knew for sure. Why? Because music helps us to learn. That's why some of these psalms, as I, I talked about earlier, we sang some, I, I, I referenced some of the songs that we sing. For example, uh, uh, we uh, uh, sing Psalm, psalm 19 was set to, to music. And so, so we sing, uh, uh, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant. And we can, we can go through that psalm and remember much of that psalm because we have set it to music. And so it helps in, in learning about God, learning God's Word, when we set things to music. And so music is part of our education. Not only is it to, 
for our education, but it is also for our edification. We are to lift up one another. Part of the purpose of the body of Christ is to build up one another and to edify one another. We are to to encourage one another. And music helps to encourage us. And that's why that it is important for us to have music in the church is to encourage one another and lift our spirits and help to point us to God. But then it goes beyond. And this is, this is probably an area where a lot of our music misses it because a lot of our music doesn't have this in it. But he says, admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. What in the world does he mean when he says admonishing one another? So I thought, well, I probably better look that one up. Admonish. In Webster's 1828 dictionary, defines the word admonish as to warn or notify of a fault. To warn or notify of a fault. We are to exhort, another word that means similar the same thing, to the same thing, we are to exhort one another with psalms and hymns, or to admonish one another. Not just of a fault, but, but it is necessarily, but sometimes of a fault. And yet, uh, we do have songs that admonish us. For example, He's coming soon. He's coming soon. With joy we'll welcome His returning. It may be morn. It may be night or noon. We know. And it admonishes us to be ready because Jesus Christ is coming in a moment when we think not, when we are least expecting Him. The trumpet will sound, the dead in Christ shall rise first, then we which are alive and remain will be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. And so it tells us, Peter tells us, says, says, He that hath this hope purifieth himself. And so when we sing of the coming of the Lord, it reminds us to keep our lives pure. And so we are to admonish and exhort one another through psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And then last of all, and probably most of the time, it's the only thing that we think of as a reason for singing in church is for the exaltation of Jesus Christ. Now it is important, and and actually all of these are through the exaltation of Jesus Christ, but a lot of times, even though we readily recognize this as a purpose, we do everything but. How often do we exalt the performer And sometimes we become performers on a stage rather than worshipers. And how often do we exalt the individual than magnifying Jesus Christ? I know when when Daddy was here, it was it was very common, especially at youth camp, because you have churches from a variety of different backgrounds there, and so he he often would remind them when 
when somebody gets done singing, we need to worship God. Let's not just give applause. In a lot of churches, and it is a growing trend, and some churches, the only thing that they do that even resembles of worship, and the Bible does tell us to clap our hands. Clapping is a form of worship. But it has got to where we applaud. And really there is no difference and no distinction whether you are applauding the singer or you are applauding the Savior. And we get carried away in our applause and in our exaltation of mankind, but we are to be exalting the name of Jesus Christ and lifting up the name of Jesus Christ and pointing men and women to Jesus Christ. It has often been said about uh, one of the uh, preachers of bygone days, I don't remember if it's Moody or Spurgeon or something, but about people leaving and, and when, they, when they heard him uh, preach, they, they would leave and say, rather than, oh, what a preacher, they'd say, well, he wasn't much of a preacher, but oh, what a Christ. Oh, what a Savior. And we talk about the necessity of our preaching and our teaching, pointing men and women to Jesus Christ so they don't see the preacher, but they see the Savior. So they don't see the preacher, but they see Jesus Christ. And we are to point... But the same should be true in our music. When we, when we play music, when we sing, when we are involved, it is not so that people see us, but so that Jesus Christ be exalted and people be pointed into the Savior of mankind. And if we are pointing to ourselves instead of Jesus Christ, we are missing the point. Have you ever seen a choir get up? Most often it happens like with the kids' choir. But sadly enough, I've seen it happen with adult choirs. And they kind of keep trying to edge one another out for who can get closest to the microphone and who can be seen the most. You know? We're missing the point. It's not about seeing me. It's about seeing Him. And we must get that in our hearts. Otherwise, there's no need for us to be here. If we are not exalting Jesus Christ, or if we are exalting self through our worship rather than Jesus Christ, we might as well go on the concert stage. We might as well hit the road and make a living at it. Okay, that's the reason we do it in churches because we're not good enough to make a living at it. So we go do it in church and, and give the Lord this poor off-key imitation of a concert and try to get people to notice us rather than lifting up Jesus Christ. Not only is there the style of music in our church, the scope of the music. But the last thing I want us to note this morning is the structure. How it is to be, what is to be incorporated in our music. First and foremost, and I've already mentioned it, our music must be based upon the Word of God. 
we believe the Word of God, we believe the Bible is the infallible Word of God. It is inspired by God. It is God-breathed. It is without error. It is the Word of God and it is the rule or our standard or our guide for all faith and practice. It is the standard by which we live our daily life. It is the standard by which we measure everything we do. It is the roadmap for life. And if the Bible is our roadmap for everything else in life, then it must be the roadmap for our music. And so it is important for us to pay attention to the songs that we sing. The other day I walked into truck stop, was getting fuel, walked into the truck stop and I heard this uh, um, song playing and uh, I didn't recognize it and hopefully you won't uh, recognize it, but uh, I walked in and this... Uh, this guy was saying, thank God for this and thank God for that. But the part that caught my attention just as I walked in is, thank God for sister so-and-so who plays the tambourine so loud and doesn't even know she's offbeat. And I thought, wow, now I can relate to some services like that. Uh, and so, so then it's like, okay, i got to find out what kind of song this is because, you know, I, I could relate to that one line. So I whipped out my phone real quick and hit Shazam so that it would uh, 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 hear the music and, and, and pull up the artist and the song. Uh, if you didn't know you can do that, you, there's an app. You can, just, you can just hit and it'll, whatever music's playing, it'll tell you who's singing it and, and what the song is. So then I played it back once I found out what the song was. I played it back and among the other things he is thanking God for was his bartender. And so I decided, okay, that's probably not one we need to sing in church. Um, but uh, there are a lot of little things that, we that sometimes are in our songs that are not doctrinally sound. There are a lot of songs that are doctrinally sound. A lot of good songs. And sadly, a lot of times good people are singing bad songs because they don't know the Word of God. We've talked about it before, the necessity of understanding and knowing the Word of God and how important it is for us to have the Word of God hidden in our hearts. But statistics show that the majority of church members do not read the Bible on a daily basis. There was a time when a person would quote a passage of Scripture. Did you know the New Testament is full of passage quotations from the Old Testament? But because Jesus or Paul or whoever was writing or speaking in the New Testament didn't say in Exodus chapter 20 verse 3, they just quoted the passage. 
And so we read it, and a lot of times we're not familiar enough with the Bible to know that he's quoting from the Old Testament. And so it was with our founding fathers in the early days of America. When, when they quoted from the Scripture, people knew it because they knew the Word of God. We go back and read the founding documents and we don't even recognize that they're quoting Scripture because they didn't say in, in book such and such, chapter so and so and verse so and so, they just quoted the verse. And sometimes we do not know the Scripture well enough that we get up and we start singing songs that are unscriptural and we do not even know it because we do not know the Word of God. I'm reminded of the time in the home life Sunday school class right before I started teaching it when Mother was still teaching it. She gave the illustration and you know Mother, she... Uh, does not catch on to jokes. And so she tells a funny story and doesn't even know she tells it. You know? And so, uh, you know, everybody starts laughing and she's like, what's everybody laughing about? Did I say something funny? And this was one of those occasions. But she was telling the story about the writing of the song, Blessed Assurance. One day... A lady came to Fanny Crosby and said, The Lord has given me music, but I don't have the words to go with the music. And Fanny Crosby asked to hear it, so the lady sat down at the piano and she began to play. Da, 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 da. And Fanny Crosby said, Oh, said, that says, Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Mother said, if she hadn't been reading her Bible, who knows what she would have said. She might have said, well, I said, well, that says I ain't nothing but a hound dog. Sometimes that's the way we approach things. We need to hide the Word of God in our heart that we might recognize. when the, We don't have to study the false to know it's false. That is one problem I have with some people who, who teach and preach on music is a lot of times we get up and don't listen to so-and-so. One year out of youth camp, they got up and said, don't, I mean, he preached hard on a, a, a particular contemporary Christian artist and said, you don't need to be listening to his music. And then for altar service, had them sing one of that guy's songs. But we get carried away and we, we, say, we say, you know, don't listen to this artist. Don't listen to that artist. And I've told you this before, but I could name some of the artists that were popular when I was a teenager. And my kids will say, who? You don't have to worry about me listening to that old fogey if they know who it is. <laughs> That was, you know, and the grandkids certainly have never heard of them. 
But if they know the Word of God, and if they hide the Word of God in their heart, I don't have to tell them a particular artist or a particular album is bad to listen to. They will recognize because the Word of God is hidden in their heart. And when somebody new comes along and begins to sing something new that I have not heard of, I remember years ago I was teaching and, and I was youth leader at a, at a church and, and, and uh, I was doing a series on music there and so I had passed out a questionnaire to the young people and asked them uh, to tell me their favorite groups. I said, there's nothing. I'm, I'm not asking this to get on to you. I just want to know what you're listening to. I, what? And so there was one group that nearly everybody had listed. And so, it was a group I had never heard of. Well, if, if, if all I did was teach against groups, then I wouldn't know to teach against that group because I would never heard of them. So we got a hold of a copy of their music and went home and listened to it. Just my wife and I in the bedroom by ourselves. And our faces literally turned red because of the lyrics that was involved in that music, how explicit it was. But I didn't know to tell them not to listen to that group. But if I could explain to them from the Word of God and teach them the Word of God and get them to hide and get them to understand that the Word of God teaches that we need to have a spirit of modesty. And part of being modest is not simply how we dress, but part of being modest also deals with the kind of music that we listen to and the things that we allow to go into our ears and the things that we are hearing. And if we are listening to something that is full of vulgarities and full of sexual innuendos then we are not keeping a pure mind and we are violating the word of God and if we have those principles hid in our heart we will recognize that and don't think for a minute that some of these things have not crept into even some of our so called Christian music and I have seen at times what is considered and called to be worship in some of our churches that was a sensual display. I don't know how I got off on all of that. Colossians. The Bible tells us To let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart. Our music needs to be filled with grace. The grace of God needs to permeate, and because of time, I'm going to move on. Not only is it to be scriptural, not only is it to be seemly, which is another word for grace, but it needs to be clear. Our music needs... Did you know it does no good for me to teach if you can't understand what I'm saying? It does no good to sing if you can't understand the words that are being said. It is important that we teach our people to have... 
We read last week when we were talking about our worship and the regulation for our worship that the Bible uh, tells us that if a, uh, uh, a, the sound of the trumpet is not clear, how will they know to go to battle? And so it applies to our worship and our singing. People need to, uh, the words are important. And if we cannot hear or understand the words, then we are missing the purpose of the song. And if the words are not the purpose of the song, then what is the purpose? I'll tell you what a lot of times happens. The purpose is to stir emotions rather than to touch the spirit of man. And there is a distinct difference, and we don't have time to get it, but there is a distinct difference between the spirit and touching the spirit and simply touching the soulish emotions. And the purpose of the church is to touch the spirit, not just the soul. I know how. to manipulate an audience when I am playing music. And much of our Pentecostal, and let me even go so far as to say our holiness churches, that claim to have the whole truth, have learned to manipulate the crowd rather than true worship of Jesus Christ. And it is very easy to change the tempo, to change the key, and there's nothing wrong with doing those things. But it is very easy to do those things in an effort to manipulate the emotions and create an emotion and stir people to a frenzy that is not true worship. Then, for lack of a better, well, no, it's not lack of a better word. It's so that I can keep my outline looking neat. It needs to be social. What do I mean by social? The congregation needs to be involved in the worship. There are times that we have solos, but even when a solo is saying, that doesn't mean that the congregation has to know the song. But it needs to pull them into the song so that they are hearing the words and understanding the words. And it is important in our congregational worship and in our song service that the congregation will be able to worship and to sing along and to participate. In so many of our churches, a lot of times we put up a worship team and again, there's nothing intrinsically wrong or sinful necessarily about that, but we put up a worship team and they begin to sing and, and, and they sing all of these new songs and all of these uh, uh, songs that are all laid out and all planned to the point that the congregation is, is there observing the performance in the same way that they would go and listen to a symphony or in the same way they, well, a lot of times in the same way they'd go to listen to a rock concert or the same way that they would listen to another type concert outside the church. But our, our singing needs to promote worship within the congregation. It needs to point them to Jesus Christ. I remember my mom telling us when we were teenagers, said, said, really, you need to make sure the beat of your song encourages worship. 
And it, because there are some beats that are harder to worship with. And if, if, if my singing is distracting during the altar service, if I'm singing in such a way that it is keeping somebody from being able to pray and touch God, no man, I didn't realize that clock was getting to where it is. So, real quick, not only that, but then it must be spiritual. It must be spiritual. Paul said, I will pray in the Spirit, I will pray with the understanding, but he also said, I will sing with the Spirit, and I will sing in the understanding. We need to be able to sing with the anointing of the Holy Ghost. We need our worship to lift up Jesus Christ. I will praise Him. I will praise Him. Praise the Lamb for sinners slain. Give Him glory, all ye people, for His blood can wash away each stain. Thank you, Lord, for Your Word. Let our music, let our singing glorify and honor You. Jesus name. This has been Foundations of Pentecost. We trust that you have been blessed by today's message. If you would like to know more, please visit us at foundationsofpentecost.com.